0: Hi guys, welcome to Made In, a podcast hosted by Asian women to tell stories of our culture and beyond. Made In is a safe living room space where we talk about our upbringing, the dilemmas in our lives, and highlight the beautiful work of POC people that keep us inspired. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hi guys, welcome back to Made In. So glad to be back after a
0: an amazing episode, actually an amazing response to our episode on mental health. And we're so happy to hear from all of you.
1: Yeah, honestly, I was overwhelmed with everyone reaching out and telling us their story as well. I really didn't expect it. And anytime honestly, Evie and I put out an episode, I never realized how like vulnerable it might be or like, you know, topic that maybe it's not easy for everyone to talk about. But maybe you're lucky, Evie, because I'm such a natural oversharer. Like I can't just <laughs> shut up about how I feel. And like, I feel like I have no boundaries. So yeah, I've been really happy that, um, you know, a lot of our listeners enjoyed it and kind of found a piece that really resonated with them that helped them out with what's coming in their lives. So yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to write us like such meaningful, long messages.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I we got some messages and obviously we're not going to reveal but it was even just people who were you know doubting that they were Asian mental health was different than any other mental health or what they were feeling wasn't really a big deal was just having a bad day and um, they said they listened to it and it really felt like oh I'm so happy I wasn't alone so that obviously is the goal again when it's getting colder Basically what we're doing here every episode and that episode too, but is to be like that living room space with friends. And maybe that's why we can overshare because honestly, it's literally mm-hmm. me and you looking at each other, but we know we're talking to other friends and you could feel like you're part of that circle. Of course, like i never want to limit that. So Honestly, we shared some of our favorite comments um, and responses we got from the episode on our Instagram, and we'll you, we'll drop the tag later. But if you want to take a look, uh, it was honestly really heartwarming, and I feel really happy they were able to talk about that.
1: Yeah. And on the topic of that, I had a really Cute moment over the weekend. Um, so I worked at um at my job on the weekend and met this girl for the first time who was like working there. And then she was like, Oh, like I actually know you. I listened to your podcast and I knew you were oh gonna be god. working today. And I thought it was gonna be awkward. I didn't want to weird you out. And she, I was like, Oh my god, first of all, thank you so much. I was so flattered. Never and then never. I was like Yeah, and I was like, so like, how did you hear about the podcast? And she said, because someone shared it on their story and was able to listen to it. So it really means a lot if you guys can share on your stories, if like you listen to something that really meant a lot to you, because you never know who it's going to reach and who it's going to mean something to. So that's just a a shameless little plug to give us a (laughs) bit more visibility. No, that's
0: awesome. And honestly, if you guys have like criticisms or if you want not get to give us feedback, please DM us like we don't mind like we can take it and we're just here for the discourse. And I mean, because we're moving into these winter months today, we're going to talk about wellness because I think it's important to understand the differences. In wellness. When we talk about wellness, we know that there's an oversharing situation on Instagram these days. Mm-hmm. A lot of wellness is built into whiteness. Um, you know, so we can take examples of even everyone knows this like yoga, it's not like a white activity. It it's wasn't not started a white
1: person's that. no, <laughs> it's a part
0: of a culture that is uh, you know, it's not even it's not white, but now it's so ingrained in that. And we're talking about other stuff too as well that has to do with that today, kind of reclaiming what wellness means in this time especially when we're in a pandemic when um we know that people of color and racialized people especially black people are getting the coronavirus among other illnesses way more than other people across the states and also in canada so when we wanted to break into wellness jazz what is your when you think of wellness and we're talking about the like the quoted like the popular mainstream one what comes to your head
1: uh, when I think about wellness, Evie, I picture in my head a tall glass of green juice that you freshly pressed <laughs> yourself, maybe some powder tinctures and knickknacks you can put into your coffee with your freshly made oat milk that you're frothing up for your coffee, and, you know, litting some Palo Santo to smudge your room before you start the day. And honestly, guys, I'm saying this all ironically because I have done every single of those things that I have listed. So I am 100% guilty of that as well. but. I think especially in the in the Instagram era of wellness and health influencers, that's kind of like what comes to mind when we talk about wellness. Yeah, and... How about you?
0: I mean, it's funny. Everything you mentioned, I've definitely done. You know, there are juice bars that have, you know, freshly squeezed juice and all that different stuff. And we talked about this a bit on the food episode, but I th- feel like mm-hmm. this actually has a bigger space in the, I would say, wellness because it was just... It really was the thing that I was like, oh, shit, I can understand why people get so mad. And um, I would say I was probably pretty ignorant to the whole yoga thing. I read a lot about it and I learned a lot about it, not just recently, but before. We're talking about years back because yoga with Lululemon, with everything, you know, white company, whatever, it got really big. um, And I was kind of blind to where it came from. And that's when I was just like, I can see why a culture who's cultivated this for, you know, years and ancient years would be angry. Um, For me, it was... Um, when I think about wellness, I just get mad because I think of bone broth on the shelves. And we've talked about this where they're $15 and they say, you know, it's good for your collagen and tighten your skin. Which it is. It is. There's no lie. But mm-hmm. I mean, when you talk to especially a Korean person, we're literally like if you're thinking about, um, I, I, I don't know, you can you can tell me if I'm wrong. But a lot of ma- main or comfort dishes are bone broths. We're talking about, you know, pork bone soup. We're talking about all these different types of soups that are in practice in ancient Maybe Korean cooking practices, the Mm -hmm. same that it is for Chinese practices. Like when I grew up, I always grew up having a soup with my dinner. It doesn't matter. It could be Mm -hmm. chicken bones, pork bones, whatever you name it. But it was always something that was at my house because it's for wellness, like good for your eyes, good for your lungs, everything, you know, they give you the whole spiel and I went through this, obviously, whole thing of denying my culture, you know, seeing bones in the soup. I was like, ew, that's so gross. Like, white people would never accept me for liking it or loving it. Mm-mm. And it's now, like, you see it on the shelves in, like, a bottle. We're talking about, like, a 250-milliliter bottle, like a water bottle, going for $15. And inside mm-hmm. the ingredients, it's not even, like, the herbs or ancient, not ancient, but the ingredients that I had, you know, like red dates or even things that I don't even know the names of. Yeah, that.
1: oh, red dates
0: that bring in like that herbalness to it. And, the you know, you know someone who cooks Chinese soup can tell you why each piece is good for you. It really got to me, obviously, when I saw them on the shelves and I'm like, damn, like you've been saying Asian food is gross for the longest time. Like since I was young, I already knew and it was a learned behavior that I even turned to myself. I was like, Asian food is gross. It's just gross. Mm-hmm. So when I see something like that and now it's being embraced in the stores and like really fancy packaging and, you know, the main sell is wellness. Like, and you know collagen and that's not a lie because we've been knowing this but now the people making money off of it seem to be like primarily white companies
1: yeah i think that's to that point exactly why we wanted to have this conversation is because we're not denying that of course we know growing up all these things were uh as part of wellness or and maybe we weren't able to put like a label on it but the fact that it got legitimatized because of a white person coming in to slapping on a good branding on it i think is what's irking me. And I think uh, something that's maybe a bit more like relevant, is like, just during Black Lives Matter, um, uproar and conversations starting to happen, you know, there were a lot of studios, uh, like fitness studios that I attended in Toronto that really publicly went through a lot of turmoil, or the opposite, where they were so silent, that I definitely noted that they weren't being active or vocal. And also, it made me realize when those things were happening, looking at the roster of instructors that I went to, like I was so embarrassed that I was so blind to the lack of diversity. So I used to go to just like one studio and I, I can't believe I don't remember seeing a single black instructor and same with another studio that I went to, they had the one token like black instructor who played hip hop music every time. And it just like, I knew it, but I never was able, I felt really stupid that I didn't think that that was something wrong with it and we just like really normalized over the years of you know the starting the pioneer of this the Gwyneth Paltrow's of the world kind of started that you have to whitewash these ancient traditional you know practices to be something that's palatable now
0: yeah and obviously speaking of Gwyneth Paltrow like that obviously is a multi-million dollar company owned by Gwyneth Paltrow and you know, ex white staff. Like I watched the show on Netflix. I actually wish I didn't. It was just for me. Cause I'm like a, someone who likes to hate watch things a lot. Like, t- like, I love that stuff obviously to a limit. But when I watched that, I honestly just couldn't stop, but feel like so angry at ep- every mm-hmm. episode. It's like they would go to someone's, um, you know, home or go to some, like a practice that's been in use or practice for a long time like the one i remember is the one on mushrooms like where they flew i don't even know where they were but it was also the play the wellness center wherever they went to microdose or whatever no they weren't microdosing it was just like they're doing shrooms was a practice by the indigenous people there that has happened for a long time but the wellness center that was opened up was owned by white people and then you know you got goop going in reviewing it then you just see a bunch of like white skinny Californian people like all sprawled out getting all like emotional and getting all cathartic and stuff and feeling spiritual and all that stuff just to say like but it's been in indigenous practices all like all over the world Forever. Like, it, it, yeah it seems weird that you had to highlight that single one like that was the one that you highlighted like someone who had another white couple who had experienced this thing and then opened their own thing and then the you went it you went in and just like showcased it which makes the whole practice of it from even if you say yeah this is an ancient art from whatever you're only making it legit like you're saying when you're in the space and so when you talked about studio you know going to the studios and not even noticing like not even thinking about that i don't think that's a rare thing when i walk past the wellness studio m- like there's a thought in my head that i'm like it's a white space like i always think that um mm-hmm. when we talk about wellness also is with the outdoors and recently we actually like in the star, one of my coworkers did an article about how they had to make even outdoors stuff, like going outdoors, the kayaking, the whole wellness of being out in the outdoors. There, it, there isn't space for black people there. There isn't space, space mm. for like Asian people there. And so they make clubs to like, be like, Hey, we're going to like, we're a racialized group that goes to do outdoor stuff. So it, it makes it accessible. But there is, I think whenever, like I've gone to a yoga class in Toronto, I've gone to a yoga class in Actually, in New York too, and it was like a really white space, and. When I was there, I always felt like I didn't fit in. Like, I wasn't supposed to be there. And I had to act really mm-hmm. much like, oh, I better wear, like, the so right limber. leggings. So Yeah, limber <laughs> and leggings. Like, but nice leggings as everyone's, like, out here flexing leggings. I'm not going to go in sweatpants because, like, that's not the vibe or whatever. And yeah. having, having to wear, like, that gear. And not saying it doesn't make you feel good. Wear whatever you want. But it's exactly. the feeling that I had of being, like, if I want their classes to accept me and not look at me weird. Like, I just showed up out of nowhere and I shouldn't really be here i should wear the clothes that they wear and i should do what they do and to be honest a lot of these wellness practices are born out of uh, other cultures ancient or even their own practices it's not even their thing so um that's why i thought this topic was super important and because it's so huge on instagram and one thing i obviously need to ask you because it's something that drives me absolutely crazy is that when i think about wellness i think about people who run wellness studios or like the really white idea of wellness is like toxic positivity on Instagram. Yes. It's like, like what, take a deep breath, like every day, and drink like tea or whatever. I'm like, yeah, we we know, like I know, but like, like Instagram is the place where I think it breeds like my kind of anger because I'm like, just because it comes from the place like, oh, remember to breathe, remember to, you know, take a sip of water, blah blah, blah. like. I, like, we know we got to do that stuff. We know what it is to be healthy. But why is it that you... There's, like, something totally, like, toxic about being overly positive sometimes. Like, I think it's a little bit scary. I don't know if you've ever, like, dealt with that.
1: Yeah, I think, of course, like, now I remember, like, posts that it's, like, a beautiful ocean wave and be, like, reminder to hydrate. Like, of course, yeah. we've seen all of that. And I have been guilty of making the same damn post. But I think um, in regards to the toxic... Positivity, it kind of goes into, you know, not really allowing that person to actually feel that emotion and mm-hmm. just kind of like um putting things on top of it so that you are repressing it so that you're not actually dealing with it, which is actually ergo toxic because it's gonna yeah. blow up at you sometime um later down the road. But before we get a little bit mo- more into toxic positivity, like I do want to touch on like how you're talking about, you know, the patrols of the road on Goop, you know, um, showcasing mushrooms and how that's going to be like a psychedelic like wellness you know ritual and i'm sure she probably felt like so meta being like the first person talking about like you know natural ingredient like you know helping with like emotional trauma or whatever but the one thing that i that's like the unintended i think consequence of like all these maybe mainstream mainly white Uh, culture kind of, like, showcasing and is that it just becomes so mass-produced. Like, do you remember when quinoa became a thing and there was, like, a huge, like, destruction of nature and just, like, over-demand for it? So I think that's when it becomes... when it's bad. Because, of course, by no means, I think we're saying, you know, the Indigenous people are gatekeeping, you know, um, uh, mushrooms or even, like, oh, what's that practice? It's, like, you drink it, it's, like, A-Y. You do it in, like... no, no, it's no! Like, I know what you're talking
0: about. I know what you're
1: talking about. It's they um, did an episode on Goop. Oh, it's like in the tip of my tongue. Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like ayahuasca and stuff like that. And now I remember the word, but I don't remember what I was going to say with it. But anyways, in those things, I feel like when it's mass produced, yes, then you have like the white person who did it that one time had like a transformative thing and they create their own studio. And I think it just becomes like too oversaturated. And it's it's just like over farming that's not sustainable. And even like Palo Santo, like I remember there was a shortage of that because everyone was just like lighting it up before they start the day for their ritual, which... Again, yeah. I do it too. I've done it too. It's like, I can't, you know, hate that much. But I think that's when it becomes dangerous and you are just, yeah. Is it like colonizing? Like, you know how like everyone just has yeah. been even like taking our land and like just everything about it. I think once once white people are loved to just kind of take something and try to make yeah. it original and like mass produce it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I that's when I like totally agree with you. We're not trying to i you. I'm not out here trying to say, white people can't do yoga, like do yoga. It's really good for you. You know, the whole idea is if it's good for your body and your spirit, yeah, that's great. Same with, you know, Palo Santo, same with whatever candle you want, anything like that, right? Like whatever makes you feel well in yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. Something like that could also be, you know, weed and cannabis, like whatever is good for you. The problem is that, and I think weed is a good way to highlight it, is that This is a different story, but with weed, you know, there's people that are in jail for petty crimes like that, you know, like, and we're talking about black racialized people, mostly. I'm not saying all of it, but we're going to say mostly for sure. And now it's that, that it's legal. These spots are opening up to elevate weed it's everywhere like on the block in toronto because it's legal in canada oh
1: my god it's literally block <laughs> i cannot walk down a street without seeing a minimum of three dispensaries first of all sorry i'm gonna go on a rant on this how do these like dispensaries think they're gonna make money when there's two more literally right beside you i know like i i, I just don't understand it's
0: insane. And the thing is, to be able to open the dispensary or even become the supplier, so like let's just say you, you have the farms to grow all the cannabis or whatever, um, you pretty much have to have a lot of money. You have to start off with a lot of money. I don't even think it's investment-based because everyone can really get into it. Yes, of course, a little bit, but we're talking about you know people who are marginalized who may are lower income who um you know there was no other options and it's a petty crime let's be honest like whatever Mm -hmm. now that it's legal it's literally everywhere like we had just said but the places that are elevating it and thriving off of it and making you know the mass money out of it i'm not saying like the black market is dead is are these cannabis companies that are pitching wellness which is fine like again like i said it's fine but it's always something to remember that where things came from what has happened to it All the different things, i.e. quinoa, the shortage of quinoa in the native country that it comes from. The same with the trees, like from the Palo Santo. Like, If you're going to destroy the environment or if you're going to open a yoga studio and you're not going to hire a single person um, of color to even make it inclusive, you're going to make it a white space. That's exactly what it is because the idea of the world in many facets and everything that we do from healthcare to everything else is white dominated like there's nothing Mm -hmm. it's not a denial it's just on the ceos the boards every is mostly white so when you go into open these spaces you might have to make a harder connection to you know find different instructors but that is the effort you need to put in before just taking the idea and running with it and then making money and then making it a white space that's what that's how i feel about it
1: yeah. And I think you share with me the cut article about wellness doesn't belong to white women. And, you know, talking about all these stories from black wellness instructors, and whether it's like breathwork or yoga or whatever it may be, like they have so many distinctive stories about, you know, whether they're being mistaken by the cleaner that's coming in to like swap the rooms or, you know, being taken their craft and, you know, just using a white person to promote it and stuff like yeah. that. Like, it's just so wrongfully, yeah, promoted or, you know, taken advantage of. And yeah, we don't do enough to include them. And I, of course, when I look at, like, social media, of uh, a studio that I want to go to, now I know, like, of course, if you don't use a model or instructor that's going to be of color, like, no one's, the, the pe- person of color is not going to feel comfortable and belong to go there. And, like, I think that's just fucking common sense.
0: Yeah. Like if you want to make an inclusive space, make sure you have inclusive instructors, inclusive leaders on your team. And Representation. That goes- exactly. And like one thing when we were talking about this whole thing and when you were saying, like one thing that also stuck out to me is like these like <laughs> the obsession with jade rollers. Like I have jade rollers. I've been known jade is great for your skin. Like that is something your mom gives you when you're a child, like if you're Chinese and I don't care if if anyone has jade rollers, but if you're out here selling just jade rollers and you're a white company and like your whole staff is white and, you know, these are our exclusive jade rollers, like you cannot use words like that. There's no such thing as they're not your exclusive jade rollers. There are jade rollers that are been in, you know, our culture for a long, long, long time. And, um, when you're making money off of it in an all-white company and, yet yeah, promoting it that way, I think there's a problem. Like, that is where I draw the line. Like, I would not support that company. There's actually this really great Instagram, and I, I can share it with you guys as a resource. And it's not just with wellness, but it does have to do with wellness. It's called Show Me the Boardroom. And basically, across, oh. like, America's biggest companies, it could include, like, even Lululemon and other wellness companies, it shows you who's on the board. And if you keep swiping and swiping and going through it, Of course, it's primarily white men on the board, then white women, then maybe you're, you know, token one or two uh, racialized people. So even if you're starting a small company, just like I feel like keeping that in mind is really important. Like, why is it you that has to be making jade rollers? Like, there are jade rollers you can buy in China. There are jade rollers you can buy in other companies. Other racialized people are making jade rollers. But why is it you that wants to capitalize on the jade roller? Like, it just, that's a thought that I think it has to go into your head. If it's part of a set, if it's part of your thing if you can rationalize in your head head, I'm not like a judge I probably like won't support it but you know I think that's just something that you need to be critical about because the problem and we can get back to toxic positivity is that wellness there's this idea that it's always positive you know it's Mm -hmm. always moving forward you get this you're gonna be happy you get this your skin's gonna be good yeah there's like no room for like oh you like like, I don't know, like, you can have bad days or whatever. Like, everything is constant. Like, get this roller. It's going to make you feel better. Get this uh, sage thing. It's going to be so good, blah, 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 But they never give you the time because it's, like, this constant positivity. And you have to keep up and keep up and keep up. And I think wellness influencers know I, I would never want to be one of those because it's, like, every day you have to come in with, like, an inspirational message or and, like, show the products you're using. And, you know, I, I think people should be allowed to be kind of, like, real and gross as well right like wellness Mm -hmm. is wellness is really about acknowledging the problems and whether it is about race or whiteness or whatever like you have to reflect and so especially jazz when you're saying like all the studios you saw that they either said nothing or they just like put up a quick black square like you like i don't care what you did with that but if your whole space is white and you're doing a practice that's different or you just recognize your space is white you might have to take and put racialized people on your board and then be on the top Mm -hmm. of it. Because like you said, it's dominated by these people. It's just like wellness means making sure that everyone's all right too. Like it's not just about you and it's not just about um, the mass market and making money. Because like that is like such a quick way to sell something because everyone wants to be well. Like that's just like like, no one doesn't want to be well. But it's like such a bad idea and such a... It's almost like it's stealing when you just go for it because you have the money to make it and then you make it and you make it for yourself, especially if you're like a white owned business, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, using a jade roller or lighting up your Palo Santo isn't going to smudge away or roll out all the trauma and the problems that you're <laughs> having in your life. So it's not going to be a quick solve. But I think this... Um, of touches on, I saw this really great post by the Slow Factory on um, Instagram, and they're talking mm. about like decolonizing wellness. I'm going to totally butcher this, but they totally, uh, they definitely just uh, compare it to the Maslow hierarchy of needs, and then they compare individualism versus collectivism, and they highlight how individualism is about, um, you know, focusing and prioritizing yourself and like your wellness, and like how that's how most uh, Western cultures are yeah. kind of focused, whereas South and Indigenous cultures are collectivism. So it's kind of about the community. And of course, we're not bashing like entrepreneurs who was try, like, trying to make money, like all for it. But, you know, people that are maybe getting involved in it, like it's kind of like, what can I do yeah. to help that one individual person feel like they can change their life? Whereas like the collectivism mentality is kind of more so about the community and like how can we, you know, better the environment around us and how can we source a bit more like carefully for a long-term being. So I think... I'll definitely share this. Like it kind of talks about how like, oh my God, I like failed psychology university. But basically for (laughs) Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like self-actualization is like all the way at the top. Yeah. And then all the way down to like psychological needs is at the bottom. Whereas for collectivism is actually flipped upside down so self-actualization is at the bottom and then at Mm -hmm. the top is cultural perpetuity and just like learning about the culture and like collectivism so I thought that was really interesting to like kind of put into perspective of how you know western culture has been primed to learn a certain way and like understand a certain way when we should actually take away from that and understand the root of where it all came from
0: yeah 100% and even when you shared that with me, I was like, yeah, I feel like I I relate with that more collectivism because, like I said, when we're eating at a restaurant, the soup comes in a big pot, like everyone gets a share of it, right? Like, And um, even with dim sum, the reason why there's a lazy Susan, and if you ever eat with a Chinese family, they'll put stuff on your plate. Like it's never about eating the most. It's never about taking the most. And I find that in a lot of cultures, it's like that your your wellness comes with other people's wellnesses. So yeah. whereas, you know, if you go to a white grocery store and you're buying broth, it comes literally in a single person's water bottle for $15. That should just show you what exactly what you're saying, like the difference about wellness for yourself and wellness meeting other people. And that's why I think it really, t- it makes me super passionate because if you're, I think there's a lot of white wellness influencers out here. I think there's a majority of white wellness influencers. influencers, And if mm-hmm. their idea of wellness is the self, then I don't think many other people of color can relate. Like, like I said at the beginning, people who are suffering from COVID in a disproportionate rate are people of color. So mm-hmm. one Jade Roller uh, yoga studio thing is not going to help them like going gonna, like gonna to help them get out of a pandemic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If someone who is Asian, I get called a chink down the street. Sh- should I just go buy 10 Jade rollers and make myself feel better? Our experience is different. You know, like we don't have, like, I don't go through life maybe as easily as you. And definitely I don't go through, I, I go through life way easier than black people or indigenous people myself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to advertise your idea of wellness and being like the dominant, uh, white dominated wellness is not looking at everyone in their scope. Right. Like there are so many traumas that white women will not face compared to women of color. And I think that's something just to put out there when we talk about wellness, because, um, you really have to think that there's more people than that. You really have to make inclusive spaces about wellness, whether it's at a yoga studio whatever. Um, because we have different experiences and to label that as like You need the J, like just telling us things we need, we're buying from you, but really you're we're not the audience, right? The audience is yourself and other people, and you are the influencer. Like there's just so much power to be had, but I think often gets used in the wrong way personally.
1: Yeah, I have been seeing a lot of influencers now, I think after just being more mindful about the type of content that they're posting out where they would maybe have a partnership with like a supplement company and without just being saying like, oh, this is my daily thing. They make a disclaimer being like, I use this for X, Y, and Z. If you ever want to use it, you should consult with your physician or like whatever. So I think giving that piece of education is something really important. And I have seen a shift in that in a couple of the other influences that I personally follow. But one thing that comes to mind is, um, "There, do you follow Emily Oberg on Instagram?
0: I don't follow, but yeah, I know who she is.
1: Okay, so she had, like, the biggest, I think, scandal of the summer when she has, like, this uh, sub company called, like, Sporty and Rich where she just tries to, like, promote wellness. But she made this, like, god-awful <laughs> post talking about food deserts. Uh, but no, not about food deserts because I don't even think she knew what that word was. But basically, she made a post about, like, you know, eating healthy can be achievable by everyone. So she had this oh post where it God. compares uh, McDonald's hamburger and a, a lettuce. And she does, like, a price comparison of, like, what you can get and then like people went fucking off talking about like don't you know people in food deserts can't actually have access to all these organic food that you're promoting us to get because like it's not possible and then like all of her like designs are just kind of like cop out and like knockoffs from like other brands and all this stuff but that's kind of like comes to what mine I think was like the worst backlash about wellness influencer yeah. influencing in the wrong fucking way and like not honoring and like not actually doing the education about like what actually goes into it Oh my God, that was so bad.
0: I can't believe you mentioned that because like that actually traumatized me because before we end this podcast, there is something to be said about how expensive white wellness is. Like it's not So expensive. It is not, even if we're talking about dieting or the Mediterranean diet, it is so expensive. And please yeah. don't tell me a piece of lettuce is as good as a fucking McDonald's burger. Like that's, that's going to so fill bad. me. That shit is going to make me like, it's literally lettuce. Like, I'm not going to eat it to sustain a family if I don't have a lot of money. Like, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I mean. There is a gate gatekeepers of wellness are white dominated and they generally have like more money. Like, you know, you're spending money. We're talking about people who literally, like you said, food deserts. Like, if we want to talk about one even lo- more Canadian, like in the Nunavut. I think one box of spinach, and I can show you a photo, is 70 Canadian dollars. 70 seven zero? Seven, Yeah, because it doesn't grow up there. And all the process it takes to get up there, that's how much it costs. I think the same as in Alaska. I think the same as in other food deserts around the world where, yeah, maybe, maybe to Emily Oberg and us, like lettuce can be, I don't know, like $3 or something. But mm-hmm. there are places where it is $70, $100. Fruits are like the same amount. And so... It, it's, it's just so ignorant because then you know that that's your whole scope of the world right like you think like if you can like afford McDonald's you should definitely be able to afford like lettuce and you should be able to eat healthy so I don't want to hear excuses like that's bullshit what a- man yeah and it has that toxic positivity saying you can mm-hmm. do it too everyone can do it it's like no it's not like you're literally lumping everyone into this thing where you think everyone can afford what you do Yeah, that means like you're in your own bubble and you have made your own standard of wellness. You surround yourself – the people you surround yourself with are exactly the same as you. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Like that just like triggered me. I'm like, ugh.
1: I know. I re-triggered myself because it happened in the summer and I was so involved in figuring out. I really need to let myself go and like not get so involved in like – instagram influencer drama but shit's so juicy i can't let go um but yeah that one was really funny i like totally forgot about it and try to black it out but here we are talking about it again maybe it'll be the last time i say it out of my mouth but anyways yeah i'm really happy you
0: brought it up honestly thank you i think
1: that's a really good example but i guess we're just gonna have to do another episode about toxic positivity because we're running out of time for us but yeah Thank you guys. I hope you guys enjoy this. Um, honestly, again, no judgment. I do I still have a Palo Santo in my bathroom. I still make juice, green juice every day. And wellness really does mean whatever it's gonna mean to you. But I think it does come with some education to understand the core of it and how it's gonna translate to you personally and like how you wanna honor that, I think is something that we just need to be mindful of.
0: Yeah, like make your own definition of wellness, whether it is it could be anything it doesn't have to be trendy if it's trendy fine but like we do it too but it's just make sure that when who you're supporting it's really important um what you support and anytime you can give back that is great and whoa before i end this episode i just want to say one thing i really want to shout out is like the food share boxes you can juice a lot of them but every time you buy food share boxes this is a toronto local initiative where they bring fresh vegetables to you but it uses you know racialized farms they actually donate it back to the community so those kind of things that is wellness to me that is wellness you can juice it you do all that kind of stuff with it um we'll yeah. put in all our resources again and thank you guys so much please leave us comments and we're at I made In underscore on twitter and on instagram
1: and honestly before we wrap up Do your research. Like, Jade Rollers, you can buy such cheap ones in Chinatown that's, like, authentic Jade, and you don't have to pay for the packaging markup that other brands are doing. So do your research. We can find you guys' dupes that are equally as good. But thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Maiden. This episode was edited by the audio master, Josh Pardo. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at imaiden. We would love to hear from you and keep the conversation going.